The Big Muddy Music Hour is supported by The Bluff Top at Roachport, a trailside vineyard retreat only 10 minutes west of Columbia, Missouri, offering accessible leisure embedded in natural Missouri landscape. The Bluff Top at Roachport features a winery, lodging, a full-service bistro, and more. For more information, visit MissouriWine.com. Playing what's relevant in music from the country of the Midwest and beyond, you're listening to the Big Muddy Music Hour, presented by the Bluff Top at Roachport. I'm your host, Colin Lavote, a shameless voice, and this week my guest is Ketch Secor from Old Crow Medicine Show. I was lucky enough to catch up with Ketch uh, backstage at the Roots and Blues Festival uh, right here in my backyard in Columbia, Missouri. It was a really great festival this year, full of just really amazing artists not not just old crow medicine show but john batiste uh, wilco played tanya tucker shaka khan it was a fabulous lineup and old crow was an act that i was especially excited to see again i hadn't really tuned into them until recent years and they blew my mind the first time i saw them at hinterland music festival last year and I was lucky enough to have this conversation with Ketch. Uh, it's a really good chat, folks. And I'm not going to take up a whole bunch of your time at the front here. But we're going to just take a short little break <clears throat> and give some time to the folks that make this podcast possible. But whenever we come back from that, we're going to be talking with Ketch Secor from Old Crow Medicine Show on the Big Muddy Music Hour presented by the Bluff Top at Rochaport. Big Muddy Music Hour is supported by The Bluff Top at Roachport, home of Le Bourgeois Vineyards and multiple lodging options in historic Roachport, Missouri. This getaway location features a tasting room, a wine garden, and a full-service bistro. For more information, visit MissouriWine.com. Also supported by Ozark Mountain Biscuit and Bar, located across from Logboat Brewing Company in Columbia, Missouri. Biscuit and Bar is open six days a week and offers full bar service, an espresso bar with to-go breakfast sandwiches, and serves southern-style comfort food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. For more information, visit OzarkBiscuits.com. The Big Muddy Music Hour is supported by Cooper's Landing Campground and Marina, located on the banks of the Missouri River. Cooper's Landing is home to daily food trucks, a full-service bar, and a full schedule of live music. Cooper's Landing also has a selection of riverside camping spaces for both RVs and tents. For more information, visit cooperslandingmo.com. Also supported by Amber House Bed and Breakfast, located in historic Roachport, Missouri. This full-service inn offers lodging and dinner services open to the public. With locally sourced ingredients, a rotating wine list, and an in-house masseuse. For more information, visit amberhousebb.com. The Big Muddy Music Hour is supported by The Dive Bar, located on Business Loop in Columbia, Missouri. 
The dive bar offers full bar service as well as a menu for lunch, dinner, and brunch on the weekends. Food and craft cocktail catering for events is also available. For more information, visit divebarcomo.com. Also supported by the Boone County Historical Society. Since their founding in 1924, the Boone County Historical Society has been preserving Boone County's history for its future generations. Collecting, preserving, and exhibiting historic artifacts, records, and artwork of the people of Boone County. For more information, visit boonhistory.org. Playing what's relevant in music from the country of the Midwest and beyond, you're listening to the Big Muddy Music Hour presented by the Bluff Top at Roachport. I'm your host, Colin Lavote, the Shameless Voice, and this week uh, we got a special episode for you. It's you know, it's rare that I'm able to work it out when a touring artist rolling through town that they're kind enough to make some time for me, preparing for their set. But I'm lucky enough to be sitting on a tour bus with Mr. Catch Secor from Old Crow Medicine Show backstage at the Roots and Blues Festival. Catch, thank you so much for making time to chat with me. Thanks, Colin. I'm glad to be here on the show, man. It's a beautiful day in uh, Missouri. We're here in central Missouri, and there's been a whole lot of wonderful music so far, and my band hasn't even gone on yet. I know. It's it's really a, a stacked lineup, and I'm so happy to catch you all again, because I'd heard about you all for years. I mean, it, it, I'd heard the name Old Crow Medicine Show, and I'm not as tuned in to the bluegrass scene in general, but I finally saw you for the first time last year at Hinterland, actually. And you blew my mind, man. I loved your set. I, I love your energy, and I, I made sure and I caught your set whenever you rolled through at Rose Park last year. And the thing that I really like about your show is not just the fact that y'all are multi-instrumentalists and you know you're having fun, but there's almost almost this like kind of vaudevillian play uh, of banter between the, the the band members in between songs that I really appreciate. How did that? show cultivate itself over the years you've had different members you know over the years and it seems like the kind of thing where you know you get just really talented guys coming in and out and they play a they play a role in this this greater show so i mean how how long did it take to kind of cultivate this this uh whole you know milieu if you will well it, it our band celebrates our 25th anniversary next year so you could say that it took us 25 years, or you could say it, it took us one year, and we just did it 25 times through the years. Um, our band started on, on street corners, and even before Old Crow, which I started when I was 19, all through my teenage years, I was finding ways to, to be a, a street corner musician, uh, whether that was... I mean, and that goes way on back, like when I was a child and I lived in New Orleans, I learned to walk and talk in the city of New Orleans in the early 1980s. Uh, and my dad always says that he remembers a time that I mimicked the dancers that I saw on in the French Quarter out in front of a, a, a grocery store in New Orleans and somebody threw me a coin. I, I think of that, the sound of, of the coin hitting as um, the way that you know uh, maybe a baseball player would remember the smell of a glove and a ball or the smack of one hitting the other, um, those sort of um, tactile memories that 
that are are a, a reminder of why we do what we do. Those um, kind of the sort of like the soundtrack of somebody's passion. And for me, the clink of of change hitting a curb like that echoes all through my life. I can hear it now, even though I'm going to get paid for this job in a you know in a paper check, and I won't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in my heart, I'm a busker. I'm somebody who gets up there in front of front of people, dances around, makes them laugh, makes them feel merry, and then they tip me. And I <laughs> that's how I act. Yeah. It, it's a little bit like uh, being a puppet, you know. Or um, another way I like to think about it is: Have you ever seen Colin these limberjacks? That's what they call them in the folk toy tradition. A limberjack is a is a toy made of wood, and and they've um, and all and the legs of this toy um, have. Uh, you know, are carved real thin, so when it sits on a piece of plywood, you can make the, the legs bounce. It looks like he's buck dancing. And uh, that's how I feel, like a limberjack. Limberjack. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard of that. And it, it's, it's interesting you said it, because there, there is just such animation. You know, it's not just a map. And it has to be a very unique type of musician to even be considered to play in the band, because you not only have to be a really fantastic musician, and you probably need to sing. <laughs> you know, like every, if I remember correctly, every single member of the last times I've seen you have, have sung at least some, you know. Yeah. And, but you, you have to have that kind of air of animated sensibility that that is inherent with the live Old Crow performance. Well, you spoke earlier about, uh, you maybe called it vaudevillian, and that's really what it is. And, you know, we started the band, um, and we called it a medicine show because we were really interested in, or or maybe it was just me, but I got I found other people who were willing to try out this notion of a kind of modern minstrelsy, you know, and the 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 concept of the minstrel goes back really far, and and I guess what I've been most interested in is is the way that the bard and the minstrel, and then this other piece, the the town crier, and then and when you think about music, like a broadside. So to, to take it back, you know, maybe five, six hundred years before the printing press, the news was sung. And so when you think of balladry, you know, you think of kids being rocked to sleep. Um, but imagine before CNN and Fox News or whatever your, you know, your purveyor is, imagine having the news all being sung, stock reports, crop failure, weather, um, the news of a terrible death, of murder, uh, uh, songs of war, songs of industry. You know, how, um, you know, what are they cutting down out there? Or what are they reeling in? Um, you know, how, how did the crop turn out? There's music for all of these things. And so I'm all, I've always been interested in music that has um, an a informational slash educational component, the way that music can... Um, can uh, indicate to somebody what's going on. Topical is the word that we use for the folk music of the 1960s. You know, when the Vietnam War was raging, you needed a whole bunch of songs just to remind people what's going on. You know, you'd see the images of somebody putting a, a flower stem into a gun barrel. I think of the music of the 1960s as that flower stem. You know, um, the Beatles did this well. Bob Dylan, Phil Oaks, so, so many. Um, and and now we're living in completely different times, 
And I'm really interested in kind of look hearkening back to sort of uh, kind of uh, to a a musical origin um, that is a that has commonality for all of us, and uh, and how to uh, make these folk traditions applicable even today. That's really interesting. You know, uh, one of the things I'm curious about. So you mentioned growing up in New Orleans, and that's where you got your start busking for folks. And you know, I one of my first trips I went on with with my dad. He was a business traveling business guy. He took me down to New Orleans, and that was like the first time I like went out of state. And and I even to this day never forgot just the the buskers on on the corners and just everywhere you turned. There was, there was music emanating from every corner. Can you talk to me a little bit? I mean, you told me you're from New Orleans and you told me you know, the, the clink is, is what drives you, but tell me a little bit about your, your childhood and how the, the essence of New Orleans may have, have uh, kind of marinated you into the mu- musician you are today. Well, I lived in five towns by the fifth grade, and so uh, I might have learned to talk and walk in New Orleans, but I had four other states to yeah. figure out who I was before I... I don't know, was about 14. Um, and uh, mostly I lived in the South. I think that um, growing up in the South and in the 80s, um, you know, I was made aware of um, pathways to music and seeking to understand uh, the, the world around me through music at an early age because of well, I guess it, there was, I felt like a social context to music at an early age. I mean, I listened to Pete Seeger records when I was seven and eight. And, you know, I knew that, that Pete sang kids' music and he strummed the banjo, but there was more to it than that because he was often singing about the disenfranchised. Um, he was singing about how things were broken and how music could fix it. Or he was um, evoking you know, older song forms and updating them for me. You know, like uh, with Weem Away, for example. You know, I could listen to him sing Weem Away and know that he wasn't African, and yeah. that, and yet the song was, and that he had taken on a, a role um, in which he felt the, the, the authority to authenticate an experience. Now, I felt... You know, really, I mean, I met Pete Seeger probably, I met Pete Seeger one time in my life. I was 30 or maybe in my late 20s when it happened, and I'd wanted, you know, I love Pete Seeger. And for me, the people that that drew me into this lifestyle and, 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 and the life choice of becoming a professional musician, they're, um, they, they feel more than human to me. They feel like um, both, they, they feel like familial um, like part of a family. And, and I always felt that way about dead, long-gone musicians. Like I'd learn about these players from Memphis in the 20s and 30s, you know, um, Will Shade and, you know, Noah Lewis and Gus Cannon. And uh, I, it's, their, their voices on these records were so um, cut so deeply in, into my heart it's like I knew them. It's like I could reach out and touch them. I, you know, I could, I'd go to Memphis, and and you know, Memphis is a town where you can get your burger flipped about fourteen different ways, and go buy a new pair of shoes, and 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 shop in a big box store, and never even f- imagine that you're in a place that is the birth of rock and roll, and and is where Dr. King was murdered, and so 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 much else, uh, and yet, uh, you know, these old, these old 
archival recordings really spoke to me at a young age, and I felt like somebody was knocking on the door and saying, hey, Catch, we're the old-timers. We want to be let in to the 21st century. What, what can you do to help us out, man? That's really, really cool to hear. You know, one of the things I really appreciate about your show, and I can speak to this because I've seen you in Iowa and in Missouri, is in the way, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of an old joke trope of like rockers like like thank you cleveland but they're in you know new york or whatever you know they get the town wrong you not only you know give a lot of love to the local scene but you're you're calling out town names and stuff you know that, that are that are nearby and you, i at least get the sense like you actually like know like take take something take some time to like learn about the area and you know it's not just like calling out town names but there's like little details is is that an, an important aspect to you to kind of not only just perform for people but kind of come come into the show with some form of context about who who the people are that you're performing to yeah you know i don't see a, a lot of difference between the the work that musicians do on the stage and then off the stage to me, they're very much intertwined. So, for example, today here in Columbia, Missouri, a town I've been to probably eight times before, and yet uh, I'm always here anew. You know, I'm a, I'm a new. It's a new day, and uh, and I don't live here, but I've got I've got some memories here, so I can draw off them, and I got a general sense of the topography, geography of the joint. But I got on my bicycle today, and I, you know, which is a folding bike, and I put it under the bus. And I don't always have that. Oftentimes, I'm just a pedestrian. It's a good spot to have a bike. I was really psyched to have a bike. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'd learned so much about the town, and I'm gonna. I mean, I might use one thing that I learned today on the stage tonight. Um, but whether I, whether I say it or not, I've been affected by the place that I'm in. And, and you'll feel it when, I know I'll feel it as a performer. Like I saw um, some people who were really in, in um, I saw a passed out drunk person, you know, or on drugs or whatever, sleeping or passed out, kind of dead. And then I saw a couple of crazy people and I often look to, like even when I was 14 or 15, I was always going, you know, behind the storefront to kind of get to know other. I think that uh, as a busker, you're always in touch with the street urchin. And uh, for me, having, um, having a, or if you think that like the dead are speaking to you and they're saying, hey, record our old you might also think that the kind of um, drug-addled zombie <laughs> might need a voice too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know, any of the sort of the disenfranchised, disinherited, um, you know, the kind of Woody Guthrieism of all this is to champion the people with song because that's what folk music is. So for me, when I go out on my bicycle and I, you know, ride past a, you know shell of a human being sleeping by a bus bench and then I go to a shell of a farmer's market where there's a, a banjo player and somebody's selling hemp jewelry and then I hear a kid says and then a sidewalk preacher says Jesus saves and then somebody else says hot dogs all of that for me is music and I want all of it to transfer into my fiddle and my banjo and my harmony singing 
That's great. Look, I, I really appreciate you taking time today to chat with me. So I just got one more question for you. I know you all released this uh, album, Paint the Town, earlier this year. You want to tell me a little bit just about this record and you know what, what differentiates, sets this one apart from your previous efforts? Well, our brand new album, Paint This Town, just came out on ATO Records in the spring, and it's been a really fun release for us to uh, celebrate our new lineup, um, to celebrate coming through the pandemic with a with a new record that we recorded largely with face masks and social distancing, um, songs that were written, you know, in the in the long, long hours of tedium that were the you know that stretch of time. Um, it's a tw you know it's a 25 year thrill ride here in Old Crow, so we're always making new records, and the records kind of have this um, kind of travelogue feel by now because. Cause I've been to Columbia, Missouri, you know, half a dozen times, and like I know my way around the t the town. Um, so the music that we make kind of reads like, um, you know, the um, the punched ticket of a long train odyssey in which you can just click, click. You can hear that conductor just clicking that, you know, punching those tickets. We've had uh, we've had our ticket punched uh, for a long time now in in a lot of ways in in a lot of towns. Uh, and you know it's kind of looking like Swiss cheese now, this <laughs> ticket of ours. Uh, and uh, I think our, you know, that's what, that's what we're trying to scribble our songs on. It's just sort of um, the travel, the 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 towns, North America over a quarter century, all those things come together at, at some point. I don't know that they were ever really that separated. You know, for me as a kid, making music wanting to be somebody living in five cities living all over the place dad riding greyhound you know it all just sort of came together and uh we're just happy that um that people been playing the record you know it, it hit number one on the americana charts for a good while and that That's was great. really exciting you know old crow has always kind of been like a um like you said i've always heard about you guys but i've never seen you and when i did i was so impressed I, mean, I hear that all the time. We're often a kind of band that has helped other bands, you know, move to their destiny, and our destiny has been interwoven with that, um, with the assisting educational effort of helping others along. You know, it's a, it's a, um, there's a, there's a ceiling over you when you choose fiddles and banjos. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to get on the Jumbotron with their fiddle or their banjo. It's yeah. not a... Um, no Super Bowl halftime show. It's shows. not a halftime show kind of choice. Yeah. Uh, but I know that I, you know, I'm 40-something now, and I, you know, I still have the drive, maybe even more than ever, to um, sell tickets, sell records, be meaningful, be, you know... Relevant. Uh, yeah, to have yeah, the relevance. You guys, are, I mean, that's the thing is you, you guys scream relevancy, and that's really the whole whole premise of this show is playing what's relevant in music from the country, the Midwest, and beyond. And that that fire you're talking about, like I see it in your eyes whenever you're on stage. I mean, you in particular, yeah, everyone's great, but there is there is a fire, you know, behind behind what you do. And man, I I uh, I know that if if there's any folks that are, this is going to be. In the same way that I had my first time seeing you live, there's gonna be some first timers in the audience, I'm sure. That we'll bring them out. Yeah. And I, and and before we close, I just want to tell you because I know you have a lot of Midwestern listeners out here, and um, 
you know, when I, after I left New Orleans, I moved to St. Louis in 1984. And I'll never forget when this man came to our first grade class with a bowler hat and this, this big round case. It was like a long end and a big circle on the other end. Guy in a bowler hat with a black vest and a, whiskers and long hair and he he came up to the front of the classroom and I could have sworn there was a snake in that case because I figured the round part was the coil and then the long part was where the snake could kind of go get a little air he opened that case up and he pulled out a banjo and he started to buck dance on a board and his hair began to flip and flop and I turned to my friend Fa Brima who was from Nigeria and I said are you seeing this Fa you know, with my eyes, I was just was in disbelief that someone could do these things. And, uh, and later I learned that it was John Hartford. And I never met John Hartford in my life, except in the first grade when he came to my school. Wow. And I like to think about that moment as a kind of, um, you know, it'd be like if um, Satchel Paige came to Ozzy Smith when he was in the first grade and said, you know, um, hey, Ozzy, you know, you might want to try this cool game. It's called baseball. <laughs> That's really amazing. Wow. That, uh, one quick question. They, you know, this was kind of a bit uh, the last time y'all were in town, but they made a big deal about how excited you got when you, see, you saw the bluff tops uh, crossing over the Missouri River on the way here. Is, that, that, <laughs> is there some, something about the bluffs that just get, get you super hype? Uh, uh, I mean, to me, it's actually really sexual, to be perfectly <laughs> frank about it. Where land and water come together, I mean, a confluence, you know. There's just something crotchety and uh, up the creek about it. Well, I'm really happy that you punched your ticket back here to Columbia, Missouri. I cannot wait to watch you all on the stage here at Roots and Blues Festival. Catch, thank you so much for joining me on the Big Money Music Hour. It's been a blast to talk with you. Hey, Colin, thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody. All right, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank Catch Secor from Old Crow for joining the show. But I'm completely out of time, so in the meantime, keep on fighting the good fight. And on behalf of everyone at KBIA and LV Creative, this is Colin Laveau, the Shameless Voice, signing off.